you know, movie, once you make it, people take it away. You have no control. It's not your movie anyway. People say whatever they want. <laughs> sometimes fair, sometimes it's, it's flattering, sometimes unfair. It, it, it doesn't matter. But the working experience is something nobody's taking away from you. Just working with people are good at something. It can be a helicopter driver, controlling camera, like doing AD work in dangerous cam movement, just watching people doing amazing things, enjoying it in their own world. And I get to collect them and actors, of course, doing their thing. People good at what they do and they enjoy doing it. That's the biggest pleasure I have. Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. Today's episode features the DGA Special Projects Committee's recent event, The Craft of the Director, Ang Lee. This series of conversations with master filmmakers features an in-depth discussion about the directing process, from pre-production through post. Mr. Lee's directorial work includes the feature films Gemini Man, Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk, Hulk, Lust Caution, Sense and Sensibility, and Life of Pi. In 2001, he became the first ethnically diverse director to win the DGA's Feature Film Award for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and earned his second DGA award five years later for the film Brokeback Mountain. Please enjoy Mr. Lee's conversation with fellow director Jeremy Kagan in front of a virtual audience, wherein they discuss how his approach to the rehearsal process has evolved over the years and his use of split screen in editing. Um, I, I know that, you know, we were just talking right before this and I was saying that that um, being in front of the camera is not something that uh, he's comfortable with. In fact, obviously, where he is very comfortable, as we've seen, or at least comfortable in many different genres, uh, is behind the camera. But I didn't realize that he actually did give a performance. And I wanted to talk about this <laughs> right now because it relates to sort of the world that we're all living in. Um, and I, you said that, in fact, you played the Hulk. Could you explain why and how? Uh, there, I, I play the Hulk. Uh, I put on the suit and play him so any matter can follow my thoughts, my performance. So, yeah, the Hulk was me. It was uh, for practical reasons, not so much a therapeutic reason that I, <laughs> I need to do it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, by the way, that, that was my first, uh, experience on visual effect. Before that, I hardly do any, anything for that, which is very, uh, educational for me. Before that, I was a purely, first of all, I wanted to be an actor in, in college. And I came to the States. I didn't speak English. I could not, um, perform. I couldn't, I couldn't be an actor. Then I have to retreat to directing. So in my mind, director is always uh, like a fail actor, like a one step down. <laughs> That's how young minds work. I always have a heart for for acting. I'm a performer. Uh, but once I get comfortable with behind the camera, it's very uncomfortable to be in front of the camera. That, that's just how life goes. Uh, doing the Hulk, uh, I was learning as I was um, uh, making most expensive movie. I think at that time it was the most expensive movie uh, in Universal. Uh, I was dramatically trained. The way I work, I rehearse, I see, I see how actors uh, almost portray how to capture actors, generate a performance, and I decide how to shoot. I check location, get inspired before I decide how to make the movie. So it was a long process. 
But Hulk is something different because the image is so expensive. I have to pre-visualize it. I have to do something more like an artist, more, more like a painter. I wasn't that visually trained. So I was learning how to see things before it happened. I cannot rehearse the Hulk. The Hulk is big. big. The eyes like this much apart. When you look at a Hulk face, you have to look like this instead of looking at the dots. Everything changed. Um, and because of that, I have to rely on pre-visualization and storyboard, which I hated before, but I had to do it. I had to alter it, bend backwards, which I exercised a lot more in later in Life of Pi, which is even more enormous. But Hulk was the beginning. By the time I did the post, there's a lot of plays I shot and how things played in my head. It's very hard to articulate. Only I know what Hulk looks like. Nobody. Actors will just pretend something's there, described by me, you know, the situation. And the cutting is imagining what Hulk would do, how we cut the place. Uh, and then animation, most animation, they don't, they didn't see directors. They're painting themselves. If you know the animator, you know which animal, which creature was done by which animator, because they're doing themselves, they're performing. So that, that's a very strange process for me. At one time during the post, I was so frustrated. Uh, by the way, I spent seven months at ILM back then. In, uh, in, in, I think it was, that's where they were, uh, in the Bay Area. I lived there. I set up my post there so I can watch over what animators did. Uh, so during that time, I got so frustrated and I said, no, let me show you. I say, can we animate your face? So they record my face. And that really helped. And then in terms of movement then Hulk, you know, it's 2000 pounds different than a person and it's 15 feet tall. So it has a physical of its own. You have to translate it. And sometimes the, the, the arms will go this way. Oh, it's just two strange things. The first thing I learned about computer, which is the first thing I learned about computer is it's really stupid. It's the dumbest thing. Like it's just their method. It's not as smart as we thought. Just put on a computer and wonderful thing magic will happen. It's the opposite. Also, that's how computer thought. So I got the idea. So let me put on the suit. I don't care. I make it make jackass out of myself. Let me just be a fool. Let me show you. I got so frustrated. It turns out when I show them, I know exactly how they fit in. I'm the only one out of hundreds of people, like 500 people. Uh, and each time I put on a suit for one shot, I, I would save somebody like, uh, three, three weeks of work, intense three weeks of work. So that I become the most valuable, uh, uh, thing in the post. So for months, uh, that's what I did. Uh, it, 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 like one o'clock PM before I can go into the editing room. I was in suit. It's just working out shots. Uh, that, that's quite a experience for me. In the, in the emotional expression of the Hulk, particularly when he gets, you know, infuriated, um, was this also you in that suit getting infuriated? Was this you yeah. punishing and attacking? And then I, I fight three dogs and I fought a, a granite father figure with, uh, UFC's top fighter, Chuck Little. <laughs> Little. I fought Chuck Little with both those suits. I fought him, I wrestled with him, uh, I fought with dogs, the fake dogs, uh, I, I throw the tank, 
you know, a hammer broke the tank. I, I did all those things. Yeah. Uh, the, the anger is actually easy. The physics thing is is hardest thing actually, not facial. The Hulk expressions, which I don't have to put on suit, they, they will photograph me, that uh, videotape me, and that's actually easier. You know, by by portraying this character, I mean one of the things that's so wonderful in your movies, in fact, are the performances, even from you know the running banquet on. The performances always have a certain depth of truth. They always have something that we know there's there there is a, a, a human being here of whom we're meeting in part, but the fullness. We may not be, but it's there. Somehow you're able to draw that out. I'm wondering, when you play this character, what you learned, if anything, more about performance yourself so that in the next movies you were making, it affected the way you were dealing with an actor? I think the way we let ourselves be known is one thing, but inside there are all sorts of things, all kind of holes inside. If you're willing to dig deep, if you're willing to be inspired by different characters, I think we want to play those situations. We want to do that. That's why we watch movies. Some people like to watch it, experience. Some like, like me, like you. We want to experience ourselves, just play out. Whether you shoot it or tell somebody to do it or you do it yourself as an actor. I think that's something in our imagination. Something we're afraid of boredom, something we want to search for the truth ourselves, which in the back of our head, we know how we show life is a cover up of who we really are. <laughs> you have to be reasonable, you have to be likable, you have to have a story, you have to in the form of art, uh, you have to have a slogan, you have to have a, like, if you're a politician, you have to, like a narrative. Everybody has a narrative. Uh, you have to be civilized. You have to be coherent, but inside, in our limbic system, the true self, who, who knows what's there? I, I think life is something, our reasonable self is something we, um, we, how we cover ourselves so we can peacefully live with each other, we can negotiate. But I think in making movies when somebody else is doing that, <laughs> you pretend, you, we, both, we all pretend somebody else is going through that. Actually, by faking, you touch the truth somehow, which is, uh, you still have to find excuse to find a narrative so people will comprehend cause and effect and all that. You have to still have to narrow things down, not like life. I think we have to, we can let a lot, a lot of unknown things unleash. I think that's whether you're a director, you're playing Hulk or I direct actors. You know, I, I'm not as good actor as the actors I, I, most of actors. I'm a better actor than a lot of actors I direct, but I'm not as good as some of them. They're like really good. That's all they do. But how do you pull that out? What can you share? I think that that's how you get good performances. Uh, it's not like exactly how you would like them to do. And, but give them a chance. If something happened that's inspiring to the viewers, I think that's where you want to go. And that's, I think it's, Enrich humanity, so to speak, beyond when, understanding, but it's, it's kind of a comprehension. Let's take a connection. When you are watching a performance, um, um, 
I'm a, obviously, we want to know. Sometimes I don't ask specific questions about a couple of performances that you might be able to tell us how they emerge. But when you're watching the performance, just from what you said, that perspective, do you know when you have that performance, and is it, and how does it relate to how you actually feel when you're watching the performance? Yes, you know. Uh, the scary thing is you can be wrong. <laughs> you're aiming at something, you're getting something, and sometimes you go on with the actor, only the two of you knows that after 13 takes, like nobody knows what you're going after, like you're crazy. And then we're on a te editing room, the editor chose uh, take three, take one. He's just getting furious. And then you forgot, why, why are we shooting? You, know, you can be wrong uh, in the consequence of a movie. I think as a more seasoned director, as when you mature, uh, you're also doing a job as well because you, you have responsibility. I think you should pursue what you're going after. And then you should pursue the possibilities. What is this? What is that? Once you get out, you should do safety. I think that's, that's more idea because so you never know. You're humble. Like you're so sure about something. And two weeks later, two months later, you're proving wrong. And even you know that. It's not like you can be stubborn and uh, you're, you're against the whole world. No, you, you know it's, it's not quite right. So it's it's a happening. It's, it's humbling. I think I, a good thing is to keep the actor and yourself uh, fresh and honest and just keep poking on different directions, see what happens. And you've worked with very experienced actors um, and you've worked with first-time actors, all of them. I'm interested. I'll, I'm going to pick some performances with let's say an experienced actor like Nick Nolte, we'll stay with the Hulk for a second, that sort of last speech that he gives, which is this really sort of impassioned piece. Do you remember how the two of you got to where he gets? Uh, I, I, I will let actors go crazy and then shrinking down. A good actor like him, they want to be uh, adjust. They take suggestions. But you go from big to small and this way and that way. Uh, Nick Nolte acts crazy. He's like a madman. And when I met him in his house, it's like totally crazy. It's like, <laughs> I wish he said, Oh, okay. I, I can give me three months. I can be in shape. Like a month. I said, No, no, no. Just come like this. You know, uh, uh, don't change anything. He's uh, like a crazy person. But I noticed that he is a kind of person, he acts crazy, but he's very serious inside. He practices, I know he has a goal to hit. He might act crazy, but he, he hit the preparation to himself. He's very, very well prepared. I probably have never seen anybody better prepared than Nick, but he acts like he has no control. And so I just let him do his things and then try to give him some shape. You know, I respect him so much. Um, he, he know we're going Shakespeare and the, the, the lines are so crazy. Uh, only madmen can get away with that. So he knows that and he enjoys it. Um, and, and also I, I, starting from the whole, I developed this technique. I used two ca multi cameras and I keep swapping lens <laughs> take after takes. 
and keep shifting. And I just doing constant jump cut. There's no rule. So actors, they don't know experienced actor. They don't know where to perform for just to strip them off, like totally natural. So unprepared, keep them fresh. Once you keep doing that and they know what the deal. And when they go with that, some beauty stuff could happen. Of, of course, you can miss marks. It's fake can be blocked. You have to take a risk. And you keep the actors in float head, try to capture sort of semi-documentary style. Uh, but it's uh, hi- highly dramatic, yeah. The language, rehearsed. the language that you would use, let's say, with Nick Nolte, um, who's an experienced actor, as you just said, when you wanted to adjust um, the, let's say, if you felt oh, you've done it as broadly as and exaggerated as you can, and you can do it, now let's do this. What kind of language would you, if you remember, your actors? With well, particularly someone like because it's going to be different. So I, I, I want to talk about about every actor is different. You cannot. I don't believe there's a matter you can apply to everybody because uh, everybody's different. I respect their method. However, they do. I try to break them so so they can fit into that movie. So everybody's in one movie, not like in fifteen different movies. They all have their thing, their preparations. You have to let them do their thing. Um, for experienced actors, I found I did most of my work is to mess them up. Oh, uh, that's my creativity. That's my skill. That's my <laughs> whatever. When they rehearse, they they're in the zone. You know, people are gonna admire that performance. But their heart won't race to them. That's when you have young actors that have benefit. You can never beat young actors. You tell them simple things. They just do that. The effort try to give you what you want. It's heartbreaking. It's, it's already gold. You cannot, it, I don't care how good you are. You cannot beat that. You know, it's like child actor, fresh mm-hmm. actors, especially. I, I really like the young actor in second movies, they just get a little bit skilled, get a little taste, and still trying, and it's just that it can break your heart. It's just earnesty. That's good, because audience see themselves. They don't see performance. When they see a group of performance, they admire you, but they won't be worried for you. They won't act for you. You can never act as good as how people act in their mind. When they're acting, that's the best. So for... Experience performance is very hard. I, I kept joking about this. It's very hard to pretend to be a virgin. Once you know, Will Smith has a great word. <laughs> You're a non-virgin walker versus virgin walk. But anyway, um, once you know you have the skills, it's very hard to pretend that you don't know. Right. I think that's when you can get the help from good directors, know how to mess you up a little bit. We, we do perform in, in real life. Most of the time, 99% we perform. Like now, we're performing. Yeah. yeah. But in drama, we want to peep into it. Voya, we're voya. We peep into somebody's life, somebody's secrecy. Most of the time they perform, that's okay. They hit the mark. But there are times you want to mess them up a little bit, caught them on, on guard a little bit. Even like bad performance. Maybe you'll get something that's very moving. I'm talking about the experienced actors. Sure. What we, I think they, they what appreciate we do that. We provoke them that way. Yeah. Once in a while, they, they do appreciate that. 
And in the provoking, what kind will you change the intention of the moment? Will you, will you say yeah, change condition, saying something strange or saying something very different than what we say we're going to do? Uh, and there are actors like Tang Wei in Last Caution. She's a uh, brilliant, she's like really talented, but her mind drifts all the time. So every take, I have to give her different direction. Just, just <laughs> the actors, you just keep going at the same thing until he gets it. And for her, you have to give her direction every different take, which is a lot of work. You have to just work out a lot of things, see what happened, to keep her focused. So everybody's uh, very different. If, if some actor, if you do that, you drive them crazy. What do you want me to do? Though? Stay with her for a second in 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 in, in caution. Um, if you're giving her a different direction, um, because we're all looking for what can work, and obviously every actor is different, but will your language be the language of this is the situation? Will your language be the language of yeah. is what you want? Um, will it, yeah. What will it combination. cover? That asking? Combination. Uh, a number of different situations, a number of what she wants, or combination. You just keep mix mashing it to see what comes out. I, to me, that's kind of a, I, I gradually developed that. I didn't know that when I did my first or second movie that I just try to save my ass, try to things, make things work. <laughs> I try to make them do the thing. And movie after movie, you, you got to pick up experience. I found that, uh, it's probably the best way to work for me. You know, what worked for me might not work for you or somebody else. Somebody has the authority look. Then they, certain things work for them. I look like a nice guy. And then I can do certain things somebody cannot do. <laughs> or there's something work for somebody don't work for me. And when I did sense sensibility, I hardly speak. I couldn't finish a complete sentence in English. And that was really a struggle. But the performance is good. I know how I... <laughs> I have to find a new method. <laughs> I was scared of them. They all talk better than me. I, I just didn't know what to tell them. So they, I, in my head, I know what's going on, but I, it's very hard to verbalize them. And they're like top British actors like Cambridge this and Shakespeare that. It's very intimidating. So I have to find new method. Uh, after that movie, I thought anything's possible. If I could make that movie, Anything's possible in movie making. You just have to find a way. This is how we're lucky. Things things don't overnight. A movie don't make overnight. Yep. There's it's a there, somehow if you know what you want, if the desire is strong enough, if you're sincere enough, it's like religions. Somehow maybe miracle will happen. You see it happen and again and again. And you, you know, that becomes your 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 faith. In in must caution, um um, besides, I want to talk how you, because I know you've done a number of sex scenes, and I want to talk about how those scenes, which are totally amazing on so many levels, but because they reveal character, they're not just, you know, they're not just about the act, they're about the human beings, and I think they're amazing. But in there, there's a moment when your actress is playing a th in the theater, and she's giving a performance in this theater because she's part of the theater troupe. And she she breaks down, and I'm wondering uh, if you remember how that evolved, how the two of you found that. Um, 
for that particular moment because she really, you know, she's playing an actress who's playing an actress. So, uh, and yet the, 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 her, her breakdown in that theater performance that it was pretty, it was stunning. I don't know if you remember what the that, that, that scene, however, I have to take credit because that's, I wanted to do exactly what I wanted to do. Um, because that's my story. That girl was me. Of, of course, I, you know, the same story didn't happen to me, but that's how I become, belong to the theater. The first time I stood on stage, it was exactly like that. So I photographed the scene exactly like how I first time I stood on stage. I remember the audience was just a blur because the spotlight was on, on my face. And I clearly believe that I belong to that world, something yonder. And I don't believe to the real, I don't belong to the realistic world. That doesn't make sense to me. This is where I, my belonging is. And I like that. I belong to the stage, that world. Somehow the spotlight is shining on you. You're, you're talking something big. Uh, for that, it's the patriotic play, which I played when I was 17, uh, 19, about her age. So I was very specific in staging that scene and talking, going over with her what my experience was. And she had to be me. By the way, I casted her. I felt she was uh, very much like me. She was like a female version of me. Um, so somehow I connect with her that way. It was interesting. She, she was me. So the, for a long time, she, she was me. She, she know this is something happened. When you're that serious about your, your creation, your lead actors, you know, actors, they're smart. They know they play some part of you. So you're watching them, what you can use, and they're watching you. <laughs> like, which part they're playing? So you're watching, observing each other and see, you know, just feel each other out. Right. So after a while, she, she and I was like one person, like soulfully, like for a period of time. Uh, we sync. I think, uh, there are three characters in, in that movie. We sync together. The young leader and the Tony Leon's character, right. um, Mr. E, that characters, they all, they, they know they play a part of me. When, uh, some, when something is more overt, something more, uh, covert. Like Mr. E is very covert. Uh, but the, the girl is like obviously me. When she cries on stage and you've dealt with actors and tears, um, do you remember how she got there? Uh, you pray a lot. There's tears. There's some actors, I don't know how they do it. It's like a faucet. It can turn on and off. That you don't have to worry about. So when they turn it on, you have to watch. They don't just cry. They got something in their eyes. The emotion, the conflict, everything. Something they cry so hard, they forgot. They're acting something. <laughs> There's the content, the reason why they cry. And you have to remind them. Uh, most of it, you know, I think I did a lot of reminding on actors cry because they feel till it seems to be the most precious thing that shows they can act, they, they can be truthful. But that's just like the basic. You have to go beyond that and through the tears, something in the eyes. I think that's what's mo most moving and they have to get that clear. And then the tears, you can only keep it fresh two, three, at most, most of them, except there are a few actors, they can go like eight takes. Uh, they're miracles. I don't know how they do that. 
one actor told me it's she's Taiwanese, the, the biggest sister in uh Adrian Man Woman, she told me uh to drink water. People forget tears is water. She keeps drinking water until you come out. <laughs> You're blessed. Uh but most of them the tear things are precious. When people in tears, they're very emotional. There's a complex uh, thoughts in mind, conflict, and all that complex thing happen should happen at the same time. Why are they having like abundant tears when the page got gushing out? They all have to come together. You have to time it really well. Like usually, I will do it like mid afternoon, maybe to get them warm up. And keep warning them, don't eat too much during the lunch. Like I was really carefully timing them. Mm -hmm. Early on in my career, I would talk to actors. While I was talking about the scene, they started to cry. They said, oh, this is a good sign. Roll the camera, it'll be great. But when the camera rolls, uh, they, they drive. They drive. <laughs> it's over. That was my earlier in my experience. So later, I will be very careful if I know it's a tear scene coming next day. How time them, condition them, like make them aware that it's a kind of a big deal, but don't make them overlook. It's just preserve their energy. I watch them very carefully until the time. Usually they happen like take two, three, four, and then they're like gone. That is my experience and normal actors. Um, so, so for that stage scene, there are like 500 extras. Well, everybody's have to work for her. We took many, you know, she, she went through a dry period. No, performance is great, but there's no tear or tear is great. So performance, uh, it's like this one take that we're like, oh, thank you. Thank God. Uh, yeah, you're a little bit at the God's mercy. It's like a little, yeah. It's, it's not like there's a method, uh, you can turn into a routine. I, I, I don't think so. Talk about, um, I want to talk about some performance moments. Um, the, 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 uh, final sort of goodbye of the, of the, your two heroes, um, Jake and, um, Heath, Heath, Heath in, in Brokeback Mountain, um, where they sort of have that sort of their final goodbye. It's both a fight and, and it's also a breakdown. Um, how did you help them, uh, get to the, that moment in that scene? And, was it in fact, um, did you shoot in sequence so that it was the collection of experiences they had? Um, uh, for some reason, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, a lot of movie, that's one of the uh, great scenes in the movie, um, from performance point of view. But that was, uh, one day was it very frustrated for both actors. Uh, I, I did some weird thing with, with cameras, both cameras, and that really messed them up. Uh, that was one of the situations. And I messed them up and something great come out. And they're, they're not appreciative. <laughs> what I did is, uh, I, I kept the most of the scene. I, I think I break the scene into two parts, the first half and the second half. The first half is more on, uh, Jake. Charating Heath and Heath breaks out. And then the second part is really the, actually the most important speech for me. I, I cried when I read the short story is when, uh, Jake talked about, we, we could have a life, but all we have is Brokeback Mountain. I got tears in my, I, I grew up in Taiwan. I don't know why gay cowboys say Wyoming. 
has in common with me, but I did cry over that speech. So that Brokeback Mountain piece is almost existential. It's like something's a mystery. When it happens, you don't know what happens. And then you're too young to know. You're too much in the middle. And then that's a mystery for 20 years. They try to go back and they could not found it. It's something very abstract. So I went abstract with them. This is not really a good way to articulate, at least with my English. What I did is do as much as I could. And then I put camera on track and the other on stick and the camera on the track was just, I just keep moving. There's no continuity. Uh, drive, drove them crazy. I don't know how to have somehow that it's great. I have to say those are uh, two uh, actually in that movie we have four really brilliant young actors they're, they're, they're in the early 20s. It's scary how good they are and the maturity they are and they still have the innocence. Uh, that, that's one movie I was blessed. I did a Hulk. Uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, a Hulk in a role. I was ready to retire. I was spent. I had no ambition. I, and then my father just passed away. I didn't want to end my career in depression. So I picked somebody I thought nobody would see. Uh, some, some, some material, which I rejected three years before. Uh, so I go, I think that modesty really gets into the people. I thought, oh, the movie God was very nice to me because everybody helped me. Every actor is brilliant. The script is great. And every aspect, it just worked. Um, so I was doing my things. Uh, I was very easy, very loose in shooting. After the Hulk, I developed this technique of just let camera flow and keep changing lens. After I like some... Uh, 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 one performance, one take. I swap lens on one lens, and I change, keep changing lens. Weird, weird things. Sometimes camera were next to each other. Sometimes they're like this. Sometimes uh, they just one's steady, and the other just keep moving around endlessly, uh, picking whatever. That uh, it worked out very good for me. Sometimes I find something very good. Uh, actors, they have no choice but go along with it. But those young actors, they're really good. They're really good, I have to say. And luckily, there are a few takes. They really nail the speeches. And, and, and it's just, it just one of those very effective scenes. We were blessed. We were blessed, I have to say. Sometimes you work just as hard, if not harder, and things just don't work. But that scene worked. In, in, in dealing with a essentially a new actor uh, in Life of Pi, um, you have that last scene um, where he retells his story um, from everything that we've experienced, and it almost uh, it's, it's a push in. I'm not sure if it's only a one one camera one take, but the performance is as you just were speaking earlier. You can feel it coming from inside this being. Um, talk about how that was created. Uh, that's a tricky shot. That's the first time I shot 3D. And during that one camera movement, actually I shipped the uh, IO, the, the, the distance between the two eyes, the amount of, uh, uh, of uh, the volume, the amount of 3Ds. I, I changed that too. 
Um, so it's a tricky shot. Uh, I remember that was a 17 takes. We spent, uh, two thirds of the day just doing that one shot. That kid is incredible, by the way. He, he escorted his brother, his younger brother to an interview and he got chosen <laughs> by the Indian Asian. And after three rounds, he was high. Uh, it never acted before, never seen ocean, couldn't swim. Uh, we, we trained him. Anyway, when I tested him, uh, it, it, when it come down to the final five, I screen tested him. This, this is somebody who never acted before. So my test, one of the tests is that story, the second story, the lead story. I just let him go about it. So he did that. It was a drag. Then I told him some principle. Imagine uh, the zebra is you're talking about is your brother. And that's the chef. And pretend your mother is the one being eaten. No, giving a premises. And for eight minutes, that take, he was crying at the end. He never broke his focus and the belief in the story, the situation I pitched him. That's a genius. The way I judge uh, a talent is not so much in how much they can perform, but how much when they look at you, do they believe in what you told them? Uh, and Tang Wei, uh, she's the first time an actor when she did The Last Caution was that way too. When you talk to them, just the way they look at you, not that I need flattering or anything, and the way they stay in the premises you tell them, if they don't break it, it's, it's just stay in that way and just let a thing do their thing. Uh, that's a real talent. So that kid had that talent and I rely on them. Uh, for that sort of a long take, because very, it's a very twisted story. Young actors, they couldn't handle that many dimensions. So I, for him, unlike Taiwan, who's more, more trained and mature, even though it's her first movie, but Suraj, uh, the pie boy, uh, sometimes I, I, I talk to him during the tape, like remind him, poke him, um, to give it a little guidance, give it a little twist. And the camera's running. Sometimes, yeah. Otherwise it's like an eight minute tape. Uh, no genius. <laughs> That was not that genius. The young characters, they're believing in break your heart, the genuine, the richness, they're all there, but they have a problem or dealing with different layers, complexities. They're just not there, not mature. They don't have it. So you, you have to help them in rehearsals, in practice. And sometimes when camera's rolling, it might help if you help them a little bit, whether by sign or just, you know, uh, loop some line if you have to you talk and give it a little hint or something. Are um, you reminded? Yeah, that, that's a little, che that's not cheating, but they know when they need help, they need help. Uh, let's talk about Tang Wei for a minute in terms of casting her because of the, 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 the nudity. When you were meeting her and saying what this part was going to be about, how did you approach her in terms of what, what she's going to have to do in this movie in terms of less caution? I, in Last Caution, in, uh, with Tang Wei, we saw over 10,000 actresses, young actresses. Uh, I, I personally 
saw the last rounds. That's like about 200 of them. And I go through three rounds to her. Tanwei, as soon as you see her, she, she reminds me because it's my parents' generation. She reminds me she has an aura, a disposition like my history teachers. <laughs> Something about my aura is actually an old soul, which you don't see that in modern Chinese, um, uh, uh, young people anymore. Whether you're in China or Taiwan or Hong Kong, they just, they changed. But somehow her disposition really grabs me. And also I have a feeling she's me. I feel akin to her, like, she, she's gonna play me. <laughs> I mean, she's a, she's a woman, but, uh, so she, she's the first side. As I said, the way she looked at me and the way I picture and then the screen test, that's, that's all, uh, very helpful. We never talked about, she didn't read the script. We, we didn't talk about sex scenes and she we're actually in rehearsing times. And I just see how far I can go. And, and I realized she was as crazy as me and as, you know, uh, Tony Leung, who's veteran actor, just about the best there is. So experienced and we're, we're going crazy. But that's the movie I go the deepest with actors. It was, uh, like hell to me, like going <laughs> to hell and come back. Uh, we're totally exposed. It's very hurtful. Uh, very raw. Um, so showing skiing, the best thing was the least we worry about, just the mental state we're going into. Uh, it was very punishing. It's brutal. Well, his, his expressions on his face during their sexual encounter are so complex. Um, and I'm interested in what the two of you talked about. Now here we've got these two naked bodies and they certainly look like they are actually having, um, intimate sex. There's no question about the way you photograph. But the way what's going on in him is something else because obviously the complexity of this character, does he trust her? Does he not? All of that. Does he love her? Does he not? Um, what were your discussions? What was the process here? Keep going at it. Even to Chinese history, the common karma we were going through for the last 200 years, just keep pitching at him. It keep pitching, keep pitching. And then he will be exhausted. He's beside himself, frustrated. And I say, you still have some strength to resist, aren't you? They say, yes, let's go again until he's totally broke. Um, he's like, you know, after shooting the movie, all the three major actors and myself, we got sick, like seriously sick for <laughs> a month and a half, all of us. It's just mentally very brutal. Um, I don't think I want to go there again, <laughs> but that was one time I go really deep with actors. It was brutal. It was bare. Uh, it was naked to the zone. It was, uh, we gave a lot. Uh, I appreciate it. How, how much sometimes I'll have a nearly nervous breakdown while doing those scenes. And Tony will say, we should show some skins. Mr. Director, they don't call your name in Chinese said, he said, Mr. Director, you, you have to take care of yourself. <laughs> Sometimes I, I couldn't go anymore and he, he will turn around and help through the scenes. 
uh, it's wonderful. We'll go that deep with actor is, is it's a blessing. In, in, in terms of rehearsal with them, or in terms of rehearsal for you, do you use it still? Have used to use it, or has rehearsal changed for you over the years? Uh, didn't change that much. Early on, I would rehearse like really fine, like stage, because I was stage trained at the beginning the years ago. Then I found uh, it's like if you're coaching a basketball team. You want to save the best for the game, not in the in the practice. Uh, so I think rehearsing the two weeks roughly, it's a time for them to know me, me to know them, and I take a section and keep repeating it uh, of a scene. First, we talk. Talk is cheap. Actors like to talk uh, because they don't have to do it. Then I say stop talking. Let's <laughs> just do the line, do the line, go through certain things. Until they have a sense of it, I, I have a sense of what they are, unless uh, until they they have a taste of the character and the situation, the chemistry. Once they have a taste, I'll stop it. I, I didn't go any further. Uh, oh. it, it's not a stage. Like, you want to keep it fresh. I think the real happen is the shooting day. Shooting day is really precious because all the elements are there. The sets are nice and feels real. They all gear up. The adrenaline is high. You know, they all gear up for one day's eight hour, whatever. They, you know, and like hundreds of people are focused on one thing. That's precious. If somebody don't pay attention, that's, that's when I, I'll go bizarre. I, when I scout on me, I throw a fist because that's not fair for people's months, hundreds of people months of preparation to get to that point. But when a camera rolling between take, when you're giving them direction, I think that's the real deal. You want to keep that fresh, at least for, for me. That's a real deal. Don't don't over rehearse it. I, I will say, right. in, in you, you can discover a lot of things while cameras rolling. Got it. When in creating um, uh, the prior circumstances, the prior history, the family in uh, taking Woodstock, um, the, you know, the father, father Elliot's uh, mom and dad, and Elliot. What did you do with the, the three of them if in in rehearsal before you? Got them on your, <laughs> got them on your Woodstock. Uh, that also involved two veteran actors. One of them I work with in Sense Sensibility. Uh, actually, it's, it's great to catch up. You know, the, uh, play a part in Sense Sensibility. I was very quiet. I had no social contact with them whatsoever. I, I spoke broken English. A few words at a time. Somehow we get that movie made. And by the time I do that movie, I caught up with her. I was talking like this. I said, Oh, that's how you feel. Poor thing. <laughs> you should tell us. Like, well, I didn't speak. So that was wonderful. Uh, she's, uh, they're both very British way. Rehearsed, very stage, blah, 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 blah. very matter of factly, very, uh, stage like. You have to break them a little bit. Uh, I think I spent a lot of time working with them. On the accent, on the Jewishness, um, as being the Jewish is a big thing in, in that uh, in that movie. Uh, so Dimitri was you know, he, he he was thirty five, but uh, he he played no more than uh, skits in Comedy Central. So he's a totally fresh actor, never really acted before. So I, I gave him like a personal one month training, a one on one. 
acting classes, uh, just tune in to like workable competition, like an actor, but still, he's still fresh. He's a talent. He's really a talent. Uh, it's like last caution. You have a veteran actor, like the best veteran actor with the young actors. And the approach is very different, but they're in one movie. Just to blend them, look like they're in one movie is a big word. So, so are they. And they're very British. Uh, uh, you, know, you have to break them a little bit, just to suit in the American Jewish life a little bit in, in that period, uh, in, in the 60s. And then Dimitri, you tailor something comfortable for him, and he does his thing. Uh, when you said you when you said you were rehearse a lot for that movie, we got to rehearse a little bit more. Uh, when you said you were sort of giving him acting training, what kind of things were you doing with? This is with Dimitri. Uh, things I learned in college level. <laughs> like what? Method, uh, method acting, sense memory, that that sort of thing. That's pretty standard. And the mask thing, you know. And it's, 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 uh, you're learning some actings. Um, uh, quite a bit of, uh, uh method acting. Um, um yeah, the, 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 the standard thing. After a while, an exercise. He's a talk show host. He's a comedian. Right. He's very comfortable with words. After a while, I felt like if he's talking, he doesn't have to do it. Always explaining things. After a few weeks, a couple of weeks, and finally I made a, a very helpful step for him. I said, "Don't talk back to me. I talk like a Chinese director. Uh, it's for your good. Just whatever I tell you, just do it. Don't explain. Don't talk back. Don't ask questions. Just do it, and again and again and again." So it took one day, and he's a changed person, actor. <laughs> Just stop talking. <laughs> um, that worked for him. It might not work for somebody else. But I found that to work for him, he's a chance. He's a very usable actor. In casting in that movie, uh, Levin Schreiber uh, plays a, a unique character for him. How did you decide on him? And what did the two of you talk about? And he obviously is an experienced actor um, in terms of creating that character. Uh, usually, uh, I work with, uh, unless it's a Chinese movie, I work with A.V. Kaufman, my casting director. I, I really trusted him, uh, her. Uh, we, we start working together since the ice storm. She's particularly good at, uh, discovery young talents, uh, fresh talent. Uh, so usually she gave me, uh, she would give me choices and I would discuss with her, then we read them and I see how they fit into uh, a vision at that time. Usually I don't have like specific vision. See how the chemistry, you know, uh, like most people would do. Then I will direct them uh, in different takes in scenes, uh, with a reader and I'll see how they respond to me, how workable they are. And then of course you have to, for leading to a character, you have to pass to studios, uh, scrutiny. They have to find a sellable. It's good for them. Uh, you have to fight through them too, if, if it's fight at all. Uh, Dimitri also come from, it was first suggested by James Shamus, my long time creative partners. But, but no, I'm actually, I want to, want to go to, to, to Lev Schreiber, um, in terms, in, in, in taking Woodstock and, and how, 
how he came into the who uh, the Schreiber who plays the uh, you know. oh oh we need a big guy. <laughs> uh, uh, Avi's been, uh, Avi Kaufman, and the casting director is pushing him for like three or four movies in a row. She's a big fan of his. Um, and then he just finished, uh, playing the villain in, uh, Wolf, Wolfering. So he has a big body, just what we want. You know, the size of the arm is like bigger than Dimitri's head. And he's six four. It's like perfect. Uh, no, we all know he's he's a great actor, right? Yeah, uh, and then when he wants to do it, it's it's it's, oh, it's good news. And now, in terms of how you both decided he would play this character, because he could have pushed it further, or you know, what was the discussion? Because he creates a sort of a unique, a unique being, and I'm interested in how you both came up with the version of this character. Yeah, you need to talk to him a lot. He had endless questions. He take a lot of your attention. <laughs> so I got a, it's a good training for my <laughs> talking skills in English. <laughs> I got to talk to him a lot. Uh, yeah, I remember he took a lot of my energy. Well, I have like hundreds of hippies out there and a lot of elements I have to worry about. And he'll be like that cop. But it's very into this, this very specific thing. It's reasoning into it. That's how he took you into it. A lot of details. And I've explained to him, like, why that boots he has to wear. The, the costume took me entirely two days. Um, the skirt he put on, <laughs> the mug he will use. It's endless talking. Uh, and that, that worked for him. So I, I just go along with what, what needs to work. I know it's something really good. You just have to go through the process. Uh, Joe Allen uh, playing in in uh, Billy Lynn's Longtime Halftime Walk. Um, how did you decide to cast this young actor? Uh, this is one of the this is the story that Amy pushed me for it. At mm -hmm. first, I was already casted. I had to turn the original cast down. Uh, and because Amy saw her, his tape, it was the second year in drama school in, in London. He said, you gotta see this kid. I said, he's great, but he's not how I picture Billy Lynn. So you have to see him. So no, I already cast it. What am I gonna do? No, you have to see him. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I see him. Uh, I was already in Atlanta doing prep. I flew back. It was a, I had to do something, and then Sunday, it was Sunday, he flew in with one underwear. And I saw him like on the street corner, it was a cold day. He's a very unusual young man. And I did one scene with him, five takes. Uh, it's a clearly top-notch talent. It's, it's like a dream. I don't know why he's not a big name yet. <laughs> I think this is a movie star. This is like first class talent. Amy was right. And she, he never acted for camera or anything. It was second year in drama school. Uh, and then the studio said, this is nobody. We're, you know, what, what do we want? Him? So I took him to Atlanta. The producer going, buying him 
underwears and clothes and, and we test him for one more week before we decided on him. Uh, he, he's just someone you see him like, this is good. A real talent. He got like everything. How did you deal with uh, telling the other actor who thought they had the part? What did, how did you handle that moment? And I was a known actor. I was bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was, I was bad. <laughs> I write long letters and talk. Yeah, I was like, the movie is biggest. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a down deal yet. It's like, show strong interest. We say it's going to be him, that kind of thing. Um, I want to talk about some of the big scenes which you are um, a master of um, and how you've done some of them. Because I know you do not like storyboarding, as you said. And I was thinking about, well, for example, in uh, the Ride with the Devil, the, uh, uh, the, the, the big charge scenes with uh, all, of the, uh, all of your soldiers. How do you go about setting those up? And how do you work with your assistant directors to make all those work? And those are live. This is not, uh, these are not CGI people on horses. Set up. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, those are easier for me. Usually I'm ahead of schedule if there's something big. Uh, the producer who worked with me though will warn the next producer who's going to work with me, watch out Ang's uh, close-up scenes. It might go over schedule. But the big scenes, you don't have to worry. <laughs> It'll be ahead of schedule. Well, the big scenes, especially, uh, you, you take risk. Um, like 300 men on horseback doing a big charge. It's nerve wracking. You just pray nothing bad will happen. Everybody's alert. You rehearse, you talk over so many times. It's all about shooting. And I have another big scene. We spent four months, lock up a hundred. Uh, that was in Hulk. Right. In a smoke, a hundred residents, houses to secure them. And it was a, a narrow street. You have a helicopter right in between buildings. And you have the girl, Betty, lo looking at the hog. And she looked tender. And that was nerve-wracking. You know, the helicopter that close. And you have hundreds of actors. And you had a certain hour to do it. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And you lock off San Francisco. Uh, and big visual effect as well. But that was quick for me. All I care is about is uh, uh, Elizabeth, whether her hair is like, don't cover her face. You know, I was talking details like that. When you're doing that big charge thing too, that it happened very fast. There's not much you can do. You plan uh, and you do it. That, 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 that was very scary because we it was a town. We, we paved uh, dirt over that. It's only this thing. And they're doing charges, 300 men on horse horseback. It's a big charge and the camera would build a road, asphalt road. They have the camera follow and as they rush, they're all crazy. It's like impossible to cover everything. And only the third K, we almost get it and the uh, producer wouldn't let me do the fourth thing. He said, we're lucky. Nothing happened. Three take. You have to stop. It forbid me to do it. And the, the army, the, the actress uh, leader was, uh, they're, they're, they're ring actors. Uh, they're very upset. Uh, I didn't do 
one more thing, where they can do it just right for the camera. Everybody's upset. We didn't get the best thing. Shooting that on multiple dangerous. multiple cameras uh, uh, for these kinds of things, and how many will you go for if you're going to do either like that scene in the hall? Particularly, this you work, yeah, the whole formation you work for one camera. When you have a shot like that, you you want to before digital time. Uh, you work for one camera. You have a camera next to it, and maybe two more in different places, but you don't want to go coverages. You, know, you, you want to go on big sh shots to, to show off. Uh, another. And then you don't know what's going to happen. Like they're going to kick up dirt. It's going to block it. You don't know what happened. It, it takes three times to know what you're doing. Unfortunately, we didn't get to do, go take four. <laughs> Talk about um, a scene in Gemini Man, which um, which is an amazing subsequence, which is the motorcycle chase. Um, and the motorcycle be, or being used as a weapon, particularly with the back of the motorcycle knocking uh, Will Smith down. Um, talk about how that sequence, which is a long, complex sequence, evolved and how many you know, days it took and what you all did to make it work. Yeah, it took a week uh, or 10 days. Uh, yeah, about a week, a little over a week. Uh, it's... It takes a lot of planning. Uh, ever since Life of Pi, I'm pretty much, uh, twisted into, uh, more visual trend oriented director. Cause, uh, some, some of the scenes are too expensive to do. Uh, you cannot possibly rehearse and then see what happened. Uh, like Pi on the raft and the ocean, you just cannot <laughs> rehearse that. How do you find shot? You just have to have the digital set. You know, it, you know, it, it's a different deal. I have to force myself to uh, think more visually than dramatically. Uh, for that, that scene is a, a good example. We measured the environment. I imagined the shots with choreographer, the action choreographer, and the art department. Uh, and then we made a map. A virtual set. Then we we spend months doing uh, uh, pre previous, and that previous has to get a studio's approval, <laughs> and then we practice. Uh, the most difficult part is not even what you're talking about. It's we, we shoot 3D high frame rate. The the gear is really clumsy, one thousand pound, and that is a historical wall. They only allow you like two motorcycles. That's about it <laughs> for a certain period of time. They don't, uh, the trucks and trucks and, 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 and uh, tracks, they just won't let you go up there. So everything is on the motorcycle. 1000 pound equipment, remote control, all on the on motorcycle. That the real hero of that sequence. Is the, the, the e-bike person who's riding <laughs> the cam camera motorcycle. Uh, how, how did they do that? And how uh, they do those things is incredible. But that was a very well planned. And every day, because it's a very touristy place, you get a town's cooperation and get a permit one day at a time, the shooting sequence. And every day you have to make the day, uh, pretty excruciating, uh, shooting. Uh, that the bike, we call it bike food. Uh, that's a result of, uh, I caught a sequence that's really difficult. 
Uh, and then we have to have the finale and the fight choreographer come over and say, no, we have this new thing. Nobody done the movie yet. It's called bike food. <laughs> so what is it? Uh, they explained to me, oh, that sounds fine. <laughs> Uh, the scene's about, um, Will Smith seems to see his own ghost in bright daylight in the most beautiful uh, historical site. I think that's the, the kick. Uh, haunting. You need something to whip him around. So that, that's where the idea comes from. Like he whip, he's whipping around by his young, younger self. His ass and kick. Literally, literally whipping. Literally, yeah. Um. <laughs> What were the challenges for you and Will Smith with, with him playing the younger self? Um, besides the obviously the technology of making this this the face, but just creating that younger self, younger version. What did you all discover, and how did you create it together? It's a miracle, I have to tell you, um, because if you can do that digitally, uh, digitally you can do anything. That's like the holy grail. Uh, visual effects. Uh, so thanks to weather, uh, the, the, the study, the scientific study, the, uh, the test they do is just incredible. The study of how we get aged, what is youth, how emotion connect to every cell, like layers of skin textures, uh, the eyes, the enamel, the teeth, yeah, how mouth works. It's just incredible. Uh, I, I need an expert to explain and to spend like weeks explaining how that was done. Uh, it's very complicated. Uh, that's, that is regarded as the highest, uh, you can do for visual effects. I think the, the hardest thing is the, the viewers. I think when you do 100% scientifically right, somehow we our head about Will Smith. It's called on, 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 on Canyon Valley. Like, it's just people's acceptance, especially in 3D high frame, right? It's more like life. People's, the way people perceive things are very different. When you watch movie in 2D, most people look just, we agree on something. It's established. And also the difference is smaller to begin with. If you do 3D with clarity in a different language, that's so lifelike. Her perception are very different, and nobody's seen that Will Smith before, like the real Will Smith. Because <laughs> we didn't put him in an '80s action movie play, happy go lucky, you know, a lot of makeup. And you no, know, he cannot play that because that's not his part. And our media is like, here compared to '80s movie, like it's a lot more advanced with clarity, with everything, more defined. So how do you play that to the impression of all Will Smith? That's the hardest thing. You have to find a balance. I think most shots work. The few shots is just, it's a mystery. Yeah, the tiger in, in pie has that problem, but compared to this, it's like nothing. Is that when it's scientific, when it's 100% correct, it just doesn't look right. That's where the hard work starts. I spend 90% of the time, uh, maybe 70, just on those things. How people feel about right, acceptable. That's a strange thing. It's what about, what so much what movies about. Movies are fake thing. It's our impression. It's our co cognitive. There's no science to it. It's like what makes 
us see as a movie, how do we fantasize things, you know, dream with clarity, and all those things, like really screw you up, but very inspiring as well. You know, because you said that, I, I want to, one more question about, about Will Smith playing himself young. Um, what was the challenge? Now, I'm, I understand the technology and the uncanny valley issue that you just mentioned, but what was the challenge for him to be, quote, I'm now going to play myself 30 years ago? It's really, tough. it's really tough because 30 years ago, he doesn't play characters like this. That's the thing. And you cannot force him to go back to that directed by me. He wants to do the better. He wants to do dramatic role. You know, he doesn't want to do the, it's, you know, the usual thing when he, what he did 30 years ago. So that, that's a real challenge. He wants to be better. You have to satisfy that need. That's why he wants to work with us. He wants to work in this movie. Uh, so I, I, we have four, I, I narrowed down to four, uh, based on that character, uh, uh, four models for him to bounce around uh, because of the military person, he, which his father is. So model after his father, model his real younger self and model, uh, his, um, uh, 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 movie self 30 years ago. And then also what a character really supposed to be. So he has like four models to, to, as, as reference. He has to find like a balance, sometimes leaning this way and that way, you know, it, it depends. From shot to shot, it's different. The, the trick is we put dots on him. Sometimes we photograph him. No, after 30 years, your face don't do the same thing <laughs> as you want them to do. It does different things. And you're not a version now. I told you before, it's hard to pretend a version. Um, so it's very hard to play his innocent. It looked like he played innocent. Again, I have to break him, break him, and he's willing to be breaking, break him. Somehow you find it. But once it looks about right to you, how's it to the audience? You still have to play around with it, play with our imagination. You use this word break. Um, and it's actually hundreds of people's, like two years of effort. Got it. But, but, but you use this word when you say break the actor. And I feel like I, I'm knowing who you are just in the personality that you're playing at this moment, I wouldn't see you as being, let's say, uh, as as an aggressive, hostile director, no. say, you've got to do this, and yet you do use this word. You want to break them from, let's say, old habits. So I'm interested. I, I don't have that demeanor. I, I I do that. People will feel weird. It doesn't work for some people. That work. <laughs> I'm a nice guy. I'm seems to be reasonable. I, I cannot do that. And yet you uh, still want about you still but want. But to I can provoke them. Yeah, but I can provoke them different ways. Just if they agree to. Uh, they know I mess them up uh, uh, for good reasons, for good intentions. Uh, they, they welcome that. If, if they're good actors, you know, they, they won't be working with me unless they're good actors <laughs> or they want to do good. So when you mess them up, you just throw them off guard. Uh, they, they go along with it. They, they, they try. Got it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, want I want to talk about something else, which is um, in your thinking uh, in process uh, about transitions. Um, that process, when and how do you think about transition from scene to, I'm not from shot to shot, but from scene to scene, 
where and when is your mind? And I know you've worked with uh, with your editor Squires for many many movies, but you're still knowing how I'm going to get into seeing how I'm going to get out of it. What's your uh, process of of considering and thinking about transitions? Uh, frankly, I never really have to think about that. It is there by the time. Uh, you shoot in a movie, the movie's in your head. That's my case. Yeah. You prep so much. Uh, from script, blah, 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 you're talking it all the time, you rehearse. I, I don't need a, a script supervisor telling me about transition. Maybe a few times in my first couple of movies, then I, no, script supervisor do something else. They, they don't tell me about transitions. Earlier, Tim might remind me you might need a transitional shot here and there. And gradually, I just don't remember that we'll ever talk about that. Got it. it oh, yes. Yeah. And talk about split screen, um, because you have it in, obviously in Hulk, you have it in, you have actually an interesting technique that you use in a number of movies. You have it in Pi as well, where it's not, it's sort of isolated, but it's still split in the sense that you have a character that we see on top of another image from another space and place. So like, like, like the early on the reflection in the, in the, in the pool. Um, and of course, Woodstock is filled with it. Um, talk about split screen, what you've discovered about it. Um, I, I would like to call it multi image. Mm -hmm. uh, I, um, when I prepared for the Hulk, because the, the comic panels, I just had that idea. Then I did uh, an experiment. I took uh, the footage from Ride with the Devil, one movie, a Western movie I did, a Civil War movie I did. Then I took a scene, a dramatic scene. And I just using different takes of the same moment, uh, different angles, camera angle, sometimes same takes, sometimes different takes. And I put it together. I found it fascinating. So why don't we see, watch it that way? Why do we have to cut one shot at a time linearly? Why do, no, our eyes can absorb all this, those information. And I showed to the studio, they said, that's both eyes. <laughs> that's great. And I shot accordingly, but it's very, I found it very hard to plan because you, you don't know how to put it together. Sometimes I just frame a little wider and hoping that you can put it together. Sometimes with a line, sometimes without a line. And then I found that in, in the Hulk, that's the first time I use it. Like a comic book, I need narrative. I need a linear direction to direct where the audience eyes goes. Like comic book, they, they have a line, an implicit line. In, when you turn on a page, there's an implicit line, the design of a page. I will almost have to do that with motion images. Uh, so that, that's what I do with Pi. And I hear a lot of complaints, first from Tim, my editor, say, if you do it in a dramatic scene, we have different angle, it's distracting. I say, it's not distracting to me, but it's distracting for somebody else. So I get to do that in action scenes, in only transitional scenes, not in dramatic scenes that I would like to. Someday I would like to. And then I use that again in taking Woodstock because that was the style back then in the documentary. So I naturally used them. Uh, and then I would, and I noticed we gradually get into, uh, digital health before I made digital movies. 
because digital make the cropping and all that design a lot easier. So that's a tool. I, I do see that. And I don't know why we have a fix on one frame rate. Uh, no, ratio, frame ratio. I think we should use variable ratios. Just depends on the need. Like in Crouching Tiger, I wish I'd done a variable, you know, on the vault, a jumping scene. I hope the screen is like this. In the desert, you know, you have to do this. Otherwise, you don't see the landscape. But finally, I gave up to the, the depth because of the desert, I use widescreen. So I got to cut a lot when the vertical movement, you know, the vault, they, you know, jump up and down, the flies, those hurts. Um, when you have two swords fight this way, that's beneficial. <laughs> When you fight this way, it's, it's not. Uh, so I, I do believe in the digital era, we should use more variable frame rate. And you and actually, you actually audience do. don't care. They, they watch it. This is no problem. We should use more. You then did, you did it in Woodstock. I think at least there's a, if I remember correctly, there's a moment when there's, he, he's sort of being interviewed. Elliot's being interviewed by the press. And I think the screen becomes the sort of the square screen of a, of yeah, a 60 millimeter. Yeah, and, and, and it's and, and you don't notice it. I mean, because it seems nostalgic. Which now with sixteen millimeter too. <laughs> well, no, in in Woodstock, for example, looking at the um, particularly the long sort of road scenes sequences um, with hundreds of people doing hundreds of different kinds of things. Um, how did you set those things up? Uh, like the motorcycle ride when Elliot's on the cop's motorcycle and we pass all these people doing all these I, things. I, I love doing those shots. It, it, take, it takes weeks to plan, to rehearse, <laughs> and then full day to shoot. <laughs> I, I just love those shots. And when, yeah, you, say, when, yeah. when you say weeks to rehearse, planning, are, rehearse, and shooting. Yeah. Are you, re are you rehearsing before the actual shoot of the film for, like, yeah, for example, that? It. Or? Yeah. And then after we planted practices, uh, I believe we use one Sunday or half a Sunday to rehearse the camera movement with actors and one break days and, 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 and rehearse it. There's still one day, one full day to shoot. And all of the activities that everybody else is doing, are you working with your assistant directors to um, create, well, somebody's going to be smoking dope over here and somebody's going to be doing whatever. What's that conversation? We have a hippie training camp for two months. We got real hippies to train the non-hippies. <laughs> I could have joined. <laughs> Together for two months. We have a train. So that we have like an elite 200 hippies. They're in the foregrounds. So they know their stuff. Know what period was like. No high five, no backpack. They do this. They're slim. And they also grow their hair. <laughs> if they're naked, you know. You know, they gotta grow their hair, their stuff. And, you know, it's just, yeah, we have a hippie camp. So we, and then, uh, the hippie camp will create their stuff. They, they contribute to us. We organize them and I put a big chart in, in what we call it's a hall. Uh, we call it a war room. Me and my, uh, the war room, me and my, uh, um, supervisor will put charts, you know. Every group, including the groups that live around that house and the traveling, the build up the traffic and, and re reduce and everything, we have a chart. Like, got it. I got it. Room charts. Uh, 
So okay. everybody knows their business. Oh, we, we do. Took a lot of effort. It looks chaos, uh, but it's, you know, it takes a lot of organization and thinking. Plan, plan chaos. I want to talk about something else. We only have a couple more minutes left, and I really appreciate the time you're spending with us. But I want to talk about sort of the idea of, of magical realism itself. You know, what's real, what's not. And there are two sequences, which are in Woodstock when when Elliot has his first uh, um, uh, psychotropic experiences and looks uh, at the, um, the, the the hangings inside that VW bus and they come alive. And I'm thinking of that in relationship also to Pi when his mom is telling the story of Krishna. Mm-hmm. Look in the cartoon book and that comes alive. Talk to us about how you... See the relationship we have. Mm-hmm. Being what the trip, uh, the three key person, me, the actor, Dimitri Martin, and the uh, visual effects supervisor. Only the three of us never have acid before. Everybody else has. They just keep eating us. <laughs> the thing I heard the most, uh, uh there's no reference because if you watch acid movie in the sixties, that no. It's very limited what they can do. They use double exposure. No, it's clumsy. It, it doesn't do justice. What I heard is the most is you see essence of things. The other, you, you have like a lag kind of a, 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 a effect. So those, those two things, I, I want to really nail it. But the, the van scene, the hippie drawing, uh, I did something tricky. The scene before, I shot uh, Paul, uh, the actor, wasn't it? Uh, Paul Dano. Huh? Huh? Yeah, Paul Dano. Oh, Paul Dano. Sorry. Uh, and the hippie, uh, that scene, uh, you're cool, you're there, you're not there. Let me talk hippie stuff. Uh, I, I choose to shoot like in a pretty rough day, like, like a, a sunset. So it's like rough. And I shot with 16 millimeter camera. Six, six, 16 millimeter, uh, reversal. Like positive. So it's really rough. And then when they look at, uh, the picture, the same picture I shot with 16 millimeter in low light. I shot with 17 millimeter and I, I put it up. I redraw it on the wall. That's 10 times bigger. And I shot it with, uh, 70 millimeter. So you transition in from six rough 16 millimeter low light to high light enlarged 70 millimeter images. So it looks like the clarity that it's your eyes adjusting. That's a trick I just invented. I was very proud of it. <laughs> then you digitize it and have a little slight move in the lag. And, uh, and, and, yeah. and the move, and the movement itself, the animation that is both that's bigger effects, that digital, yeah. And same thing for Pi when he looks into the Krishna story, Krishna's yes, yes. yeah. Uh, let me. Let, that was an old comic book, Indian period comic book. We use that, and we digitize. Uh, by that time, it's easier. It digitizes it. You can do a lot of things digitally. Um, let me use this as our, our, our final question, and I'd like you to talk a little bit, or I'd like to keep this conversation going for a couple more hours, but um, is uh, about the. It's a cultural question, I guess, but uh, the relationship that you're seeing between. Uh, movies that are being made in China, movies that are made here, and the co-productions that are going on, because you've done many of them. 
what's changing as uh, you're seeing it? Um, you know, what is it, 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 in the uh, 90s and 2000s, and you've seen the time the whole world is more open up and willing to accept different things. It's a wonderful things. So I was taking that time. Um, I was accepted by the world and when I brought the world cinema in Chinese movie making, it was very welcome. Uh, things are very in goodwill and polite. You know, China, they, they have the restrictions politically. Uh, but, but they, they want to see the, the world and it was very polite. However, they don't have, um, a rating system. It's something they're not open to it. Uh, filmmakers ask to have rating sets. Why everybody watches this? No, it's, it's everything is G, but their G is uh, more flexible than the G here. Um, so it's, it's it's kind of variable. Uh, like they didn't touch anything in uh, uh, Crouching Tiger and Dragon, except one of the Bende that was from the Xinjiang territory. Uh, they didn't want him to talk that way. They think it's mockery. <laughs> Out of goodwill, oh, okay. So other than that, it didn't bother me anything. In, in terms uh, of, of of style of filmmaking, crews, etc., a, a difference. Oh, everybody wants to help. They, they want to see the new things. Uh, Last caution was very helpful, except of course the sex scenes. And finally, the unpatriotic act when she tell him to run. They didn't want to. We doubt the worst to be something less obvious. That right, I'm, I'm going to ask you a last question. Yeah. Which but is, other than that, it's, uh, it's quite polite. Got it. Basically because it's, there's no rating system. Got it. And it won't work here. And got it. I, no, I at, think, yeah. at this, at this moment, this is my last question for us right now. What's the most fun you're, you're having as a filmmaker at this moment? Working with different talents. It doesn't matter as an actor or prop master. When you see somebody who's good at what they're doing and they're focused and they're doing their thing, enjoying it, the expertise, when I get to work with them and learn from them, that's the biggest joy. You know, movie, once you make it, people take it away. You have no control. It's not your movie anyway. People say whatever they want. <laughs> sometimes fair, sometimes it's, it's, Flattery sometimes unfair. It, it, it doesn't matter. But the working experience is something nobody's taking away from you. Just working with people are good at something. It can be a helicopter driver, controlling camera, like doing AD work in dangerous cam movement in the multi, you know, terrain, going through terrain with a multi helicopter. You know, it's just like, how do people do that? Just watching people doing amazing things, enjoying it in their own world. And I get to collect them and actors, of course, doing their thing. People good at what they do and they enjoy doing it. That's the biggest pleasure I have. Well, Everything else is, uh, no, labor. Simple <laughs> as saying, because of that enjoyment, you've given all of us so many <laughs> more than enjoyable films massively put together. 
Um, and we've learned from you as you are still learning. And we really appreciate your spending this time and wish you good health um, and stay safe. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Jeremy, for doing this for us. Thank and thank VGA for doing this for the members. And thank you for watching. That wraps up this exclusive discussion with Ang Lee. If you'd like to hear more from the Craft of the Director series, check out episode 264, which features director Ava DuVernay discussing her extensive filmography. Or visit our YouTube page to find discussions with David O. Russell, Leslie Linka-Gladder, and Guillermo del Toro. The Director's Cut is available wherever you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow film buffs find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.